watched that on the, um, I'm on, am I? I'm not on, thank you. Oh, well, they tell me at the sound desk I'm not. You can hear me? All right, well, as long as you can hear me at the back, that's fine. Yeah, the whole thing has been just, just watching that clip. I don't need to say anymore. We could say that's the end of our sermon. And that would be a great relief to me. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, Andrew preached on the name of God. God, I am. To me, that's astounding. It's, just, it's like God with us, but God, I am. He's, you just think, I am. I am is everything. It's life incorporated. It's absolutely everything. And that's our God. And then we come to Emmanuel, God with us. And that statement in itself is, is amazing. When I was preparing, I was thinking, I don't know why, but the Greek gods came into my mind. The mythology, you know, of the Greek gods, how they used to play with man. They'd put all sorts of things in front of, you know, for him to do, and, and it was ridiculous. And then I thought about other gods that we hear about. Not in any of the religions I know of does it say that God is with us. Everybody in other religions has to work hard, has to do things to have God with them. How, I can't think of the word, but I don't want, want, want the word lucky, but oh, it's amazing, isn't it, that God would want to be with us. And if I could make this work, we'd have the next doovie. Is this one not on? No, it's switched on. Could you make it work, please? <laughs> Thank you. And right from the beginning of time, God's plan was to have us with him. And that's in itself amazing. He wanted us to be with him right from the very beginning. You look at, um, I know you've all been struck by a sunset or anything, but I just love walking around. Whether I walk the dog, which is, 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 is our walk's a bit like this. So it gives me a lot of time to look at the gardens. And I just love looking at the flowers, the different colours. You know what struck me the other day was just the little forget-me-not. You know how big it is? It's tiny, tiny. But the blue of it, the perfection, that God put so much thought into every single thing. How Imagine how much trouble he put in. If he'd do that for a forget-me-not, what has he done in you? This morning, I'm not preaching on anything you don't know, I don't think, but I hope it's a word of encouragement of how much God wants and is with you. Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, 
Let us make people in our own image to be like ourselves. They will be master over all life, the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the livestock, wild animals and small animals. So God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself. Male and female, he created them. You are created in God's image. You are patterned after him. That in itself is amazing. The animals weren't created in God's image. Nature's not created in God's image, but you are. Each one of us is different, but we're created, patterned after him, which is amazing. God created people to bring him glory. At Life Group the other week, we watched a, a sermon on, is God an egomaniac? egomaniac is that right? Egomaniac. And what a title. I, I said, I want to watch that for the title. And it was talking about how, all the way through the Bible, and Jesus too, that... It says, and he did this to bring himself glory, to bring his name glory. And they were saying, is this because he's, look, it's all about me, 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 me. But our God's not like that. He is glory. He is God, the creator of everything. And man's highest, it finished off with saying, man's Joy, man's highest joy really is in when he comes into full praise of God. If you get a chance to watch it, it's fantastic, but you can't have it till we've listened to every sermon. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I can't express it like he did, but it was, it was just so good. So God created people in his own image to be like him. And he put him in the Garden of Eden to tend the garden and just to be with him. Now, I was looking at the Bible and in my mind I'd always thought, yeah, every evening God would walk in the garden with Adam and Eve. But it doesn't really say that. But I still like to think it, that he, he did. He was communing with them, he was with them, he was talking with them and everything like that. Until, of course, we know what happened, don't we? Man was given the choice, and I hope you don't mind that I'm just saying man the whole time. I'm mankind. I'm not getting into the other bits. Mankind. He was created to be with him. Now I've lost it. Yeah, they, so God gave them one, the one command, and we know they disobeyed it. Immediately, they knew right from wrong. They knew good from evil. And God said, we can't let them stay here any longer. I bet it broke his heart. The person, the man he'd made for himself, we can't let him stay here any longer. And so he had to cast him out of the garden 
send him away. No longer could they just be with God. No longer could they talk face to face, talk about everything. They had to go. And did that mean that God didn't love them anymore? Did that mean that you're no good, you've disobeyed me, you chose to do the wrong thing, you're out of here? Is God like that, that he had to send them away? I don't think so. But a holy God could go nowhere near sin. You remember... um, I can't think of the prophet's name, it's just gone from me. But remember, he wanted to see God and God hid him in the cleft of the rock and there was the thunder and there was the earthquake. And then finally he saw the shadow of God pass by. He couldn't look at God because I think, in my mind, he would have just been obliterated. The holiness of God coming together with sin. Sin could not could not just stand in, in with God. And so man had to go. But God didn't stop loving him. He spoke all the way through the New Testament. We see God speaking to the prophets, teaching the prophets about all things. The prophets would tell the people about God. And every now and again, the people would say, whoops, we're in trouble here. Remember Jonah, who didn't want to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. It was a very wicked city, and God said, go. And Jonah said, "Uh uh-uh. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Now, he didn't do it God's way, but God gave him a second chance. He didn't leave him there, did he? He didn't leave him there. Again, one of the sermons we watched had said, You know how like we have the GPS and it tells us where to go. And invariably I do miss it. I don't go around the corner, she says. And she she just calmly says, recalibrating, and does it again. And that's what God does with us. He says, recalibrating. It'll take you a bit longer, but we can still do it. It's what he did with Jonah. He didn't just leave him because he'd mucked up and run away. He said... We'll go. You go, to, you go and preach to that city. And that city was saved because Jonah finally did as he was asked. And we have Moses, the people brought out of Egypt, rescued. God led them, didn't he? By night, by a pillar of fire, by day, by cloud. He led them all the way, teaching them about himself, teaching them wanting them to know how much he loved them, wanted to be with them. But without God, without choosing God, we are sinners. We have no hope. No hope at all. And so, and I've always wondered this, why did God wait so long from when man was cast out of the Garden of Eden to when Jesus came. Why did he wait so long? Long before the prophet Isaiah in 7.14 said, therefore the Lord himself, God himself will give you a sign. 
The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. This was long before it happened, long, long. But there's been pictures all the way through the Old Testament. Remember, um, I've got Isaac and his dad. Picture of Jesus. God says to him, will you give me your son? Will you sacrifice your son? Do you love me that much? And dad says, I'll give you my son. And is about to kill him when God says, don't do it. Now, Abraham, when you read his life, I'm always amazed by this, how many muck-ups did he make all the way through his life? He mucked up well and truly all the way through. But with his son, he'd grown so much because he'd walked with God that he was willing to give his son. And that too is a picture of what God would do for us. He wants us so, so much. We can't imagine what God's heart's like. I can't imagine, but he just loves us so much that all he wants is us to be with him. And so he sent Jesus at Christmas. He sent his son, just like you can hear the baby crying. That would have been like Jesus would have sounded like no other baby, just a normal baby crying. A normal, helpless baby. But a baby fathered by God himself. But truly human in every way. He grew up as a toddler, he fell over, he probably hurt himself, he cried, he was picked up by his mum and dad. Learning the trade from his dad, I bet he sawed his finger or thumped it with a hammer or something at some time. And his dad would have comforted him. He grew up, God, with us. Why would God give up everything in heaven every heavenly right, every authority, everything he had. He's God. Why would he be willing to come to earth and be a baby, to be like one of us? Why would he want to do that? It seems stupid, doesn't it? I think even the angels wanted to know, why would God do that why would he be willing but he was and the answer was because he wanted us he wanted us to be with him he wanted us to choose him to live with him to walk with him to talk with him he wanted us and the only way he could do it was to be a man like us to take the punishment that we deserve for our disobedience to God, to take it upon himself. And that's what he did. On the cross, he took all our sin so that we could be with God again. 
But going back, just imagine the disciples, Peter and John and James, they were just normal fishermen, nothing special. But Jesus walked and talked and taught them for three years. That was all it was, three years. But he lived with them. They, they heard everything he had to say. They knew his love. They, they just knew. I always think of how did Peter feel when the time Jesus said to him, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, Jesus, you are the son of the most high God. Imagine that revelation in you. I can remember a time when I'd always put Jesus that little bit lower than God. I hadn't, I'd learned about the Trinity. I knew what the Trinity was, but in my mind, he was just that little bit lower. And then one day I was just about my business when all of a sudden it was just, it was like the most clear voice in my head that just said, Jesus is God. And I reckon how I felt that day was how Peter felt. He is God. We don't understand the Trinity, God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. But they are one and yet separate. I don't get it. But I know with all my heart that Jesus is God. And he lived with the disciples day after day after day. They learned from him. There was so much when he died that they still didn't understand. But they had learned and they were changed men. But then Jesus said something very strange to them before he died. He said to them, and I don't know that I've got the scripture there. Have I got another scripture? Yes, thank you. He said, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me and none of you has asked me where I'm going. Instead, you are very sad. But it is actually best for you that I go away because if I don't, the counsellor won't come. If I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convince the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Jesus said, it's far better that I don't stay here with you. Far better that I go away because when I do, it won't be just me here with you physically. It will be, the Spirit will come and for all who ask him into their life, for all who ask Jesus to be Lord of their life, he will come and he will live in you. He will live in you. God with us. God within us. God lives in us, the Holy Spirit. And that is just, can blow your mind or is too much to even comprehend. God lives in you. If you have asked him to be Lord of your life, then it's a fact. It's a plain, outright fact. God lives in you. Just think, 
Remember the disciples after Pentecost. I said before they were changed men, but after the Spirit came and lived in them, they were as they were. They were radically changed. God was within them. They were hearing God speak to them through the Spirit, God's Spirit within them. He was telling them what to do, what not to do. They were performing miracles. The, the blind were healed. Sick were healed. Blind could see. La Remember Peter with the lame man. I always love this bit. The man's out there begging. Give me f money. Give me arms. Please, please. And Peter looks at him. And God must have said, this man has the faith or something. I don't know. But he comes to the man and he says, well, haven't got any money but I've got something better. What I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And that man did. He just got up and he walked. And boy, what trouble did it cause. But within us, we have God. God is within us. What Peter did back then you and I can do today if we listen to the Spirit and led by the Spirit. He may not ask us to do it, but he might ask us to go and make that phone call to someone who's sick, who needs encouragement. On the other hand, he might be saying, Molly, he might have said to Molly, Molly, back overseas, please. He might have said to Vi, let her go, please. <laughs> He speaks to us every day if we want him to, if we've got ears to hear. And that's my prayer so often is, Lord, give me ears to hear your voice because so often in the busyness we don't hear him or we hear him after the fact. We think, oh, that was God and I didn't listen. There's so many times that happens. But does that mean God doesn't love us? No. He just knows we need more growing. What about in the times when everything is going wrong? At times you just feel like God's, he's a, he's a planet away. You've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed. You're not hearing his voice. You're trying to hear his voice. You're trying real hard to hear his voice. Sometimes I think the harder you try, the less you hear. <laughs> but you're really trying. But God's just, where are you? You might even yell out to him, where are you, God? Why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't I hearing you? But in his time, you, you always have to remember his timing is perfect. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love us because we can't hear him. It doesn't mean because we're going through terrible trauma that he doesn't love us. He is with us. He is within us in everything, through everything. It doesn't matter what. I asked God a question not that long ago, and it was a question that really hurt me, and I just said... God, why did you let that happen? It was something that was not good in my mind. And the answer I got back was, because I loved you. Now that made no sense to me whatsoever. 
It didn't explain anything. But the fact that God spoke to me and said, because I loved you, I let that happen. That's enough to know that God loves me and he wants the very, very best for me. Sometimes it's like if we have a little child and we see it running out into the road or going to touch a heater and we say, no, don't touch, it'll burn you. And the kid draws back and goes away. But then when mum and dad aren't there, they draw near again and they go to touch it. And mum looks at it and says, don't touch it. Child draws away again. But finally, child gets a chance to touch it and it hurts, it burns. That doesn't mean the parent doesn't love them because they disobeyed. The parent's upset and they bind the wound. They look after them and that's what God is with us, like with us. Sometimes he has to let us go our own way because he loves us so much. His love is just so, so incredible. God is with us. God is within us. Could the band come back up, please? Today, if anyone here has never given their heart to Jesus and said, I want you to be Lord of my life, ask someone near you to pray for you or come up the front. It is the greatest privilege for a Christian to pray for someone else. God has given us that privilege for us to pray for one another and he delights to hear us, to answer our prayers. If you're going through hell at the moment, if everything's going wrong, ask someone to pray for you. Come up, but God will never, ever leave you. He loves you so, so much, even when you run away. This week I was inclined to be running away because I didn't know what to do with this sermon. I really didn't know how to do it. But he's faithful. He has said his faithfulness is established in the heavenlies. He is for us. He's not against us. He loves each one of us so, so much. Whatever we've done, whoever we are, God is for us. God has said, never ever will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. I'm here for you. I'm your greatest cheerleader. I'm your greatest fan. I want you for my glory.